that is kind of telling their pedigree, if you may, uh, kind of who they are and who they know and, and, and kind of a, a recommendation letter. If you read some of the other uh, translations, it talks about these letters of recommendation. And now uh, I went and I looked up on the Google what a letter of recommendation is, and it says it is a document in which the writer assesses the qualities, characteristics, and compatibilities of the person being recommended in the terms of that person's ability to perform a particular task. So somebody is writing and saying, these guys are the real thing. I've seen them do this. I've seen them do that. And some of these letters were just complete fabrications. They were people that they got, and, and you've always heard the, the uh, maybe you haven't, but I've heard the phrase all my life that, that if you're a hundred miles from home, then you're an expert on something, you know, because if nobody knows you and nobody knows whether you're an expert. And so these people were talking about people, you know, he lives over here and, and he's a big wig and he knows everything and people are like, okay, whatever. And so they got these letters of recommendation, and, and we all know what letters of recommendation are. We, Cindy and I, last week, wrote three different letters of recommendations. We had some teens that were needing some stuff, and, and uh, another lady that used to go to our church wanted a letter of recommendation for uh, a job, or uh, had a couple of teens that was wanting to get in a program, had a teen that was uh, for, a, for a college or something or another, and we write these letters all the time. And so they, they really are real, but, but these guys were standing on these letters of recommendation. And so a letter of recommendation, somebody that is somewhat respected, writes these letters and says, this is really who they are. And if you, if you want to get right down to it, it's, it's like your bona fides. Does anybody know what that is? I've heard that before. These are my bona fides. This is, this is what proves that I am who I am. And so these people were having these other people come in and say, these are, these are our papers. This is what proves that we are who we say we are. And so they started asking, hey, hey, Paul, where, where's your papers? Where, where's your proof of who you are? I mean, you came in here and you, and you preached this to us, but where's your letters? And, and Paul gives this great answer, but it's also kind of a scary answer when we hear it. Paul says, you're my letter. You're my letter. You're the proof of what I've done. And this is what, this is what I like about Paul because when he's put to the question, most other people would have said, well, well, I'll go get some letters. I'll, I'll go try to get some proof. I'll go find somebody that'll say I am who I am. And, and Paul knew the people. Paul could have done that. But Paul uses the wonderful spiritual gift that is never mentioned in the word, but it is a spiritual gift, I believe, of sarcasm. And, uh, and he answers them with this, this, this answer that he's going to give. And we, we live in a day where people want to know, are you really who you say you are? Are you, do you really have the proof that you are who you say you are? I had to go to the jail the other day. I have pastored in this town in June will be 18 years. I've been here for 18 years. I don't know. I wasn't trying to get a platform, but 18 years I've been in this town and went down to the jail. I've been in jail several times. No, I haven't been in jail. But I went down there and they said, well, we're going to need a copy of your ordination. I started to sweat because I didn't know where it was. I mean, I've got it. I mean, if anybody wants to see it, I've got it. But I was like, where is this? And I was like, don't you know me? I've been here for 18 years. And this lady's like, I don't have any idea who you are at all. And I was like, that hurt. (laughs) But... So I had to dig him up. 
had to dig up my bona fides. And I took it down there and I just went, okay, I could have printed it off the internet. Nobody would have known, but it was, it's a real thing, man. And so this is, this is what they, this is what we had and, and this is what they do. And so, so Paul and, and, and in this time of Paul though, there was a bunch of guys that were like what we call posers. These guys were posers and they were posing like they were uh, apostles and they were trying to kind of come in and, and some new things were happening and people were getting excited. And you know how that is. Anything, something new happens and, and people start getting excited and things start turning. People are always wanting to get in on that. And there were some people like that happened. And so this is what was happening. And so, uh, so these guys were blown into town and they were saying, this is who we are. And I'm gonna tell you what, this happens today as well. This happens today as well. We, uh, a few years ago, uh, had a fellow that, that started going to church here. And uh, he said, I want to I be a pastor. I want to be a pastor. Well, in the Church of the Nazarene, we have some certain processes that you go through to be a pastor. Poor old, poor old Sean. I mean, he, he hits the books every day, don't you? I think his wife does most of the work for him, but he, he does. No, it's, it's a job, isn't it? And they, I mean, they require stuff for you. You have to go to school and they have so many years of service you have to have. And every year, Sean will, will go before a board and, and they ask you, you know, what are you doing? Can you give us testimony of what God's doing in your life? What, and they ask you, you know, what does sanctification mean? How do you explain that to somebody? It's just a grueling process and it takes several years to actually get your ordination. And we, and we do that. And we're glad we do that. Well, we, I, I had a guy that came to our church, doesn't attend here anymore. And he said, that's what I want. I want to do this. And I said, well, this is what you got to do. And he said, well, I don't want to do that. And I said, well, that's what we got to do. And he said, well, I'm going to go someplace else because I don't want to do that. And I was like, okay. He was he didn't want to do it, you know, but the people that really, Paul had went through the process. Sean is going through the process. I have went through the process. And, and Paul was saying that, that, that there are some things that, that you have to go through. And so people were at this point where these guys were saying this and they, and so they started challenging Paul's authority. And, and they had come in with all these letters of recommendation, all their credentials and everything else. And Paul starts in and he gives this answer and you can hear the sarcasm in it. Are, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need like some people letters of recommendation? This is a really sarcastic answer. And then he just starts firing right into him. I love this response. And if you, and I don't know what it says in the message Bible, but I think if I was writing the message Bible, this is what it would say. We don't need recommendations from you or to you because we are what we say we are. And you're the proof that we are. And I got to thinking about this, what this is equal to. And I got to thinking about Pastor Sean. Pastor Sean comes from my home church down in Ava, Missouri, and he has served under the leadership of Pastor Mark Hatcher, my dear friend. And under Mark Hatcher's uh, uh, ministry, Sean came into the, the knowledge of sanctification, gave his life over to the Lord, and was called to preach under Mark Hatcher's preaching and under Mark Hatcher's ministry. And so he came in under Mark Hatcher's ministry. 
So Sean's going to go through all of his stuff that he has to do, and he's going to get ordained. Now imagine after Sean gets ordained, and we go down there and we lay hands on him and pray on him, and that's going to be a blessed day. And he gets his little paper. Imagine that he gets in his car, drives down to Ava, and goes, uh, Pastor Mark, I'd like, to see, uh, I'd like to see your credentials. I'd just really like to see your credentials. I, I just got my credentials, and uh, I ju- I'd just like to see your credentials. Hatcher would have a fit. And it'd be like that. Uh, I'd just like to see your credentials there, Pastor Mark. And Pastor Mark would say, you are my credentials. You are the proof that my ministry is real. You were saved. You were sanctified. You were called into the ministry. You have done all the work that's supposed to be done. And the reason we're even standing here having this conversation is because of my ministry. Those are my credentials. And then Sean would go, okay. And just go, oh no. But that's what it was, it's exactly what it'd be like. Paul's like, you are my credentials. The only reason we're having this talk is, is because I started a church here. The only reason you're asking this is because God did something in your life. You are my credentials. And so Paul is saying, you're the proof that what I say is real. And this is what was happening to Paul. And so, uh, Paul tells him this, and then he keeps on going. He says, you are the proof. You folks are the letters of proof of my authority. And Paul's ministry is what he says it was because they were living the life. And today, this is for us as well, because we are God's letter of proof that what he says in his word is true. We are the proof that what God says he can do in someone's life can happen. We are the letter that everyone else reads and not just reads, but if you if you get into the amplified bible it says that they know who God is through us. They know who God is because they have been watching us. And that's why some people some people in your life don't like you anymore. Because God is in you. Now there's some of you who have been saved and have lost friends over that. You, were, you used to be able to go and do whatever you wanted to do and then God came into your life and changed your life and your old friends come around and said, hey, let's go do this and let's go do that. And you go, you know, I love you, but I can't go do the things I used to do. Well, who do you think, you know? Has that happened to anybody? Nobody, are you kidding me? I know that's, there you go. I got some people that are telling the truth. The rest of you, let's have an altar call right now. I mean, there's people that you can't, my wife got saved our senior year in high school. And I remember the night. It was at the old highway church of the Nazarene. And uh, she started going back to school and people said, hey, let's, let's do these things. And she goes, I, I don't think I'm going to do those things anymore. I don't think I want to run around and do those things and carry on. And I mean, people got mad at her. And it wasn't that they didn't like Cindy anymore. They didn't like God in Cindy. Does that make sense? And, that, and that's what it is. So don't take it personal. It's not that people don't like you anymore. It's people don't like God in you. Because God comes up and he says, well, I can't go and do the things I used to do. I can't talk the way I used to talk. I can't do the actions that I used to do. I don't think the same way. And people, so either, people either love God or they 
just don't want anything to do with him. And what happens is they don't love God in you. And he is in you. And they get to know who God is. And some people accept that and love it. And some people are like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be around you. So don't take it personal. It's just God. And the word says that, that, that in, the, in the Amplified Bible, it says that it is made known and that it becomes very obvious that God is in you. This letter is not something that's very vague that they read and go, well, I don't know what this says. The word says that they know you and that, it is, uh, that they know God and he is very obvious through your life. It is obvious that you follow Christ through the way that you live. And, and, I, and I looked up what obvious means and it says it's easily perceived, it's very clear, it's very evident, very apparent. So I want to ask you this morning, is the letter that people are reading out of your life very obvious that you are serving God? It should be obvious that Christ lives in you. Have you ever had someone in your family die or someone close to you die and people will be talking about it before the funeral and they say, well, do they know the Lord? And people go, I don't know. I think so. Maybe. I hope. I'm going to tell you, that's not, you do not want that to be your answer. You do not want that to be the answer of your life. When you are done, you don't want people saying, well, I hope so. The word says that if we know Christ, that it is obvious to everyone. It should be very obvious. And yet, sometimes we try to kind of hold that. We try to kind of hold that back and we try to keep it from being obvious. But Paul says that it is a life-altering thing when Christ comes into our life that is obvious. Everybody around you know. But lots of times I think we think, well, let's, I just want to be a good person. I don't want to be so obvious that I love Christ. I just want to be a good person. And we want to go through life without getting in trouble and just being okay. But, God, but Paul says that the person who knows Christ, that Christ is in that person, and he, it is very obvious that Christ is in that person. Think about this. When Christ walked the earth, did he ever try to slink back? He was always telling people who God was. He was always telling what God was wanting to do. He was always telling people, this is who God is. This is what he's doing. This is who I am. This is what I'm doing. This is what God wants to do in your life. He was always right up in everybody's face about who he was and what God was doing. Do you think Jesus changed? Do you think his spirit has changed? No. His spirit is not any different than Jesus was. And Jesus seeks to be in your life and be obvious to everybody around you. He wants to do the same things he did while he walked the earth as he walks in your life. He wants to be obvious to everybody around you. And he wants to do that. Do you think that Christ is embarrassed, was ever embarrassed to talk about himself? Do you think he was ever embarrassed to talk about God? I don't think so. I don't think he was ever embarrassed. I can't remember one scripture out of what we've read so far. It says Jesus was kind of embarrassed about who he was. And so he just kind of slunk back and didn't say anything. It doesn't say that. Jesus always had an answer for everybody. The people would come with hard questions trying to trip him up. And he'd always be like, this is what it is. This is what it does. And he did that a lot. We're going to find out when we get to heaven. We're going to go up and see Jesus. He'll go, hey, how you doing? No, he ain't going to do that. But anyway, but that's what he did. That's what he did. He was like, yeah, this is how it is. They said, should we pay taxes? And he goes, pay Caesar what's Caesar's. He always had an answer. 
And he'd always talk about God and he never talked about, well, you know, God's kind of like, well, you know, he's kind of part of my life and I'm just kind of, you know. He never slunk back. He was always like, this is. But now that he's living in you, he kind of wants to hold back a little bit. No, he don't. He does not want to hold back in you. He wants to be in every, in, in, up in everybody's face that you're with and your family, your wife, your kids, your husband, the friends in your life. He wants to be saying, this is who Jesus is and this is what he's doing. That's what the Spirit of God wants to do in you. He wants to be an obvious letter to everybody around you that who he is. And he is supposed to be obvious in you. And Paul says that Christ is to be obvious, to be known, so that people will see and read and know who Christ is. And because that was happening to these folks, Paul said, you are a witness to what I've done. You're my letters. You're my recommendation." So I want you to ask the question this morning. Is your life producing letters of Christ? Is your life showing that that Christ is obvious? Now, that's that's a whole different question. Is, Is Christ obvious in my life? But then you need to ask the question, are there any other letters coming out of my life? Paul would come into town and started preaching and people were getting saved and the church was formed and they were letters that came out of his life. Are there any letters coming out of your life? Does anybody on the face of this earth know who Jesus is from being around you? That's what God placed us here for. You know that? Does does anybody in the history of mankind know who Jesus is because you've been around him? Paul says, my life is so obvious that it is not only my life is a letter, but my life is producing letters. And this morning, you ought to be producing letters. There ought to be somebody in the world who knows who Jesus is because they've been around you long enough that Christ is obvious in their life. And they have come to know who Christ is. Has your life produced any letters for Christ? Paul says that you are his letters and you are the proof that Christ is in us. And I want to ask you, what kind of letters are you producing this morning? What kind of letters, uh, what kind of letter is your life and what kind of letters are you producing? Are people coming to know Christ through your life? Is your family, are your kids, is your friends, the people you work with, are you producing other letters in, in, in Christ? You can't produce what you don't have. And if you've have a, had a real life-changing experience in God, it should be reproduced in someone else. And I'm not talking about people coming to church. I'm not talking about church attenders. I'm not talking about being good. I'm talking about someone having a real life-changing, life-altering experience that everything changes and they're never the same. That's what God has called us to. God does not call us to be good. God does not call us to be church attenders. God calls us to be a letter where Christ is obvious in our life and then to produce letters where Christ is obvious in their life. That's what God has called us to. He's not called us to fill the building. God has called us to be changed and called us to bring the agent of change into other people as well. God's not called us. I think our, I think our, I think our mindset is that we just be good and that the people around us would be good. If, if I could just have good kids and have a good life and enjoy life, that would be good enough. 
That's not what God's called us to. God's called us to a life that's obvious and that it brings life change into others. And I think sometimes, and, I, and I'm probably, I think, we, I think we set the expectations way too low of what God wants. I think we just want good kids. And we'll bring our kids to church and and we just want them to be good. We want them to grow up to be good people that don't get in trouble, that don't embarrass us. And we want them to find a nice girl and get a good job and live a good life. I'm going to tell you what, God didn't call us to be good. He called us to be righteous and holy. And there's a difference. He called us to a radical change in our life. And it's radical because it frees us from the sin that we have committed and it gives us the power to quit sinning. Not to be good, but to be righteous. And God calls us to this and his spirit within us calls others to that as well. As people are around you, they should be called to a life where it said, you know, I used to see this guy do this and this and this, but he don't do that anymore. And I've watched him and him and his wife and him and his family, they used to be, there's just this, and they're not that way anymore. And they're, and they're happy and they've got joy in their life. And, and what has happened? It is obvious that something's happened in their life. Christ has happened in their life. And that's what God has called us to, not to get through life, but to, but to thrive through life and be what he's called us to be to be obvious in him. Lance, I want you to come. I want everybody to stand. We're going to sing this morning. I want you to just answer the questions. I'll tell you what, I have, I have gone through this sermon over and over again. And it... I have prayed most of the night tonight because I can't talk you into what this is asking today. I have no words to push you into what God's asking today. But I have prayed for his Holy Spirit to convict your heart today. And I want you to ask the question, what does the letter of your life say about Jesus? If you died today and we had a funeral for you in the middle of the week, would people say it was obvious that they loved Jesus? Or would they say, you know, I really don't know. The word says that it is to be obvious. Paul says that we are to be obvious. So I want to ask you today, what does the letter of your life say about Jesus? Does it say anything about Jesus? And then if you are, if God has come in your life and God has made a radical change in your life, are you passing that on to anybody? Are you actively passing that on into the life of your children, into the life of the people that you work with? And some people are going to say no, and I understand that. But Paul says, my life has been obviously changed and because of that, it is bringing the agent of change into others. I'm just asking you, is there any letters that has come from your life? If there isn't, that should bother you. That should hurt you. That should cut you. And that should make you want to say, God, help me. God, help me to produce what you would have me to do. Are you seeing, are others seeing Christ in you? I want to ask you this morning, are your kids seeing and knowing who Jesus is through your life.
Are your friends seeing and knowing who Jesus is through your life? Are the people you work with seeing and knowing who Jesus is through your life? If not, why not? Have you let Christ radically change you? Not so that you will be a good person, but so that Christ can be seen through you. You have not been saved to be set up on a shelf. You have been saved for Jesus Christ's Holy Spirit to live and walk through you and minister to people around you. And he is not shy about that. And he wants to do that in your life this morning. But you have to let him. You have to say, God, you can have it all. You have free reign in my life. If, if You allow God to have everything in you so that he can use you. To help himself, I love love the way this sounds. Have you allowed Christ to help himself to all that is you and to use your life as a stage to tell people who he is? Can God help himself to you? If God wants to use you, do you have an open, are you open to God anytime you want to use me, just... Does he have, does, are you open to that? This morning, if the Spirit's speaking to you, I don't even know how to open this up this morning. I don't know what, but if the Spirit's speaking to you and you feel like you need to pray, you need to pray this morning. God wants to use you today. God's Holy Spirit wants to walk in through your body to speak to others, to be obvious to others who he is. If you need to pray, come as we, come as we sing this morning. Lance, lead us in song.